You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. If you have your copy of the scriptures uh, for the sake of time, go ahead and turn there right now. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. Um, and uh, we're not going through all of Ephesians 5 today because you're like, how is this ever going to end? It's a long chapter. We're going to do parts of it today. And then we're going to come back next week and wrap that up. But let me, um, let me just give us some, some, some context, some, uh, some setup of what we've been reading, because we can't just isolate into one little section. We got to see it in its broad context, right? So uh, let's rewind the story. If you've been here for every week and you're like, Matt, stop giving a summary. I'm sorry. I'm just going to do it again. Um, So uh, real quickly, Ephesians 1, Paul lays out this foundational work of the truth of the gospel, the good news of the beauty and the benefits of uh, who we are in Christ, um, what we have through God the Father adopted into his family and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we see the whole Trinity at work. We see these doctrinal truths laid out for us. And throughout Ephesians, um, even if you're an underliner, underline the, the phrase in Christ. You're gonna see it repeated over and over and over again. And what he's trying to reveal to us is that as followers of Jesus, of who we are in Christ, of what we have in Christ and what we're called to do in Christ and how all of that plays together within the beauty and the context of the local church. Um, and so, uh, so that's Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians two uh, talks about this, how we were dead in sin, uh, but now we are alive in Christ, no longer foreigners and strangers, but adopted into the family of God. Ephesians 3 talks about the unity um, of the gospel and how the church, that when we uh, come together as the bride of Christ, that we get to display this mystery, this beauty um, of the gospel in action to the world around us. Um, And then last week, Ephesians 4, uh, we talked about how we're called to evaluate our lives. We can't just talk the talk, that we actually have to walk the walk. And that as followers, if you've put your faith in Jesus, do you have a role to play? that you have a responsibility within the church to, to, um, to use the gifts and talents that God has given you for his glory, for his good. And so, uh, so that's kind of where we're at. Let me transition with, a, with a, this story. I, I read this. I read it a while back, but there's an update this week that really fascinated me. Um, you're like, how is the world this going to tie in? But uh, Pablo Escobar uh, was a, you're like, where is he going with this? Um, was a uh, world famous uh, drug cartel leader um, in the early 80s out of Colombia. Huge. He was actually the wealthiest uh, criminal to ever live. Uh, Estimated net worth of over 70 billion in today's uh, economy. And so he, he, um, I mean, horrible, horrible things that this this guy did. Um, But when he died in 93, uh, in Colombia, he had amassed a collection of exotic animals, like for his own personal, like zoo, um, you know, like a pet tiger or something would be cool until it grows up into a full grown, you know? So he had all of these animals. So when he died, um, the government, uh, stepped in and got rid of most of the animals. They sent them to zoos. They sent them back to where they were found. They released them. Uh, the one problem was, is that he had some hippos, that they were just, they were too dangerous to transport, or too expensive, so they just let them go. 
Now you're like, that's cute. I got a couple pictures of some hippos. These are some of his hippopotamus. Hippopotamus? Hippopotami? What is, I, I should have learned this between first and second. Hippopotamuses or hippopotami? Either one. Um, if you're a grammar expert, come give me truth later. But so they let them go in the wild. Now, if you've ever seen one, they look cute and cuddly, uh, but they will rip you apart. There's actually more hippopotamus-related deaths than crocodiles because they're territorial, they're massive, they're huge, and they have giant, like, baseball bat teeth. Um, the problem was, in 93, when they released these, it was four, but as of today, it's 170 of them. And they're like, we've got a problem. And they've, they've tried, like, killing some, they've tried neutering some, and their estimates is, if they don't do something right now, that in 12 years, the population will be over 1,000. A thousand hippos rhyming, uh, rolling through uh, Colombia, which are not native to there. And so they destroy crops. Um, they're <laughs> like, they kill people. There's all kinds of, of stuff. And so they're, they're trying to pawn them out to other countries. Like India is going to take some, Mexico is going to take, take some, but it's costing them millions and millions of dollars to reallocate these hippos that started out as a four animal problem will pretty soon become a thousand animal problem. And you're like, Matt, why are you telling us about a cocaine dealer? Okay. <laughs> The reason is, just like this problem started out small, Paul is telling us in, in, in Ephesians, he's looking at the context of the church in Ephesus, and he says, hey, there are things going on in the culture that if those are brought into the church are going to run rampant. There are truths, there are things that the world does in which you live that if you try to copy that pattern is going to cause chaos and destruction in your life. And so he's giving us, because we, we have to understand, we, we talk so much about context, and I'm not, a, I'm not a huge history guy, but there's parts of it that just fascinate me. And we have to remember the, the culture and the context in which Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, right? Uh, Ephesus was known for its temple to their, their deity, their goddess, Artemis. I got a picture, there's an artist's rendering of the temple, massive massive temple, one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, huge. Uh, I got a picture of what it looks like today. I forgot this in first. That's what's left, okay? It's been destroyed. But people from all over would come to worship at this massive temple. Um, their, their goddess was this, this goddess of fertility. And um, the, the worship around this deity was, was not like what we would understand as worship. This temple implored uh, temple prostitutes, and there was, there was all kinds of twisting and, and manipulating of, of God's gift of sexuality within the worship of this deity, and it was, it was bonkers. It was crazy. You look at, we, we always think that, like, we're so much, like, they were so much more civilized, like, a long time ago, and, like, we, 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 like, our world's crazy, but, like, you, you read about what was going on that Paul had to address in Corinth and Ephesus, and you're like, these people were insane. Like, there was barbarians, their, 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 their worship was just outrageous, and, and so you read it in Acts, and we've talked about it, but when Paul first brought the message of the gospel to the people living in Ephesus, it was a radical message, and they heard this, and they were transformed, and the impact of Paul preaching the gospel in Ephesus was such a great impact that the men who made shrines and who made things that, that were used in the worship at Artemis, 
use the, the temple of Artemis, the, 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 the silversmith, all these people that made shrines, the trinkets that people would come through to worship and they would pick up and take back home. The impact of the gospel was so um, massive, it was impacting the economy of the city. And so these silversmiths and these people got together and they, they formed a riot. They actually hauled Paul into the, the, the great theater at Ephesus, which holds like 20-something thousand people. And they were like, these people are disrupting our way of life. And finally, they're like, look, they've, they haven't blasphemed our deity. They haven't done anything wrong. We've got to let them go. We're going to be in trouble for this riot. But what I want us to see is that the message of that Paul preached of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it changed the city. It changed the city's economy because the way that they lived and the way that Paul and that Jesus was calling them to live were so radically different that people were like, I don't even know what we're gonna do for a living anymore. That the way that, that worship, everything was, was turned on its end. And so that's kind of the context in which we pick up. So, um, I lied earlier, we're actually gonna back up to Ephesians 4.29 before we go to 5.1, because we're gonna see a, a thought. Because we have to remember also is that, I lost my Bible, where'd my Bible go? I left it back here. I'm gonna keep talking as I do this. Um, so as we, we gotta remember that our Bible didn't always have chapters and, and verses in it. Like it, it was one continuous thing, but out of, out of ease of saying, hey, find this page where it says this, it starts with this sentence. Uh, in, in like the 1200s, we were given chapters. And then the 1500s, uh, our, our first copy of the scriptures that actually have verses and numbers do that. So what I'm saying is it was a letter. And you can see a lot of times there's continuous thought between one chapter to the next. That's the reason we're backing up to chapter four is because there's a continuation of thought that starts in, verse, uh, in chapter five, verse one. Does that make sense? So we're going to read. Let me pray for us real quick as we unpack God's word. So let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you for today. God, I, you know every heart, you know every situation represented in this room, Lord. And what we desire is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we would hold our lives up to the truth of your word. We don't need opinion. God, what we need is truth, your truth a true compass that navigates our life, that, that tells us up from down and left from right. And so, Lord, I pray that we would hold our lives up to your word. If there's incorrect thinking or believing, Lord, that you would uh, remedy that today. So, God, speak to us through your word, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Ephesians 4, if you have your copy of the scripture, we're going to be at NIV. We're going to start in verse 29, and we're going to go through a little bit. All right, verse 29. Paul writes, and he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, um, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality 
or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let, the one, uh, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So three truths we're going to pull out today, and we're going to see this theme in the beginning of each of these sections. The first one is that we are called to walk in love. As followers of Jesus, we are called to walk in love. Uh, the love of Christ is the radical thing that, that changes us that he, he loves us completely, he loves us sacrificially, he loves us unconditionally. Um, and what he's saying is, is more than just like thinking about God, more than just adoring God, more than just admiring God, imitate God. That, that Jesus isn't just our example, he is our savior, but he's also our example to follow. Just as a child imitates their parents, you know, when your kids are really young, they imitate the things that you do, good and bad, which is convicting, right? Um, but they, they imitate. He's saying just as a, as a child that we would imitate our Heavenly Father by looking at the Son. And there's only good in Him. So as we imitate the actions and the attitude and the posture of Jesus. Um, and even that, that phrasing of that sweet-smelling sacrifice, like this idea in the Old Testament when they would sacrifice an animal or sacrifice something as an as a, um, act of gratitude or act of worship or as, a, as atonement for sin, just as the, the smoke would rise, that, that sweet-smelling sacrifice that he's saying that just as that, Jesus is our ultimate sin offering. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, back to verse three, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual morality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Uh, remember the, the context of the culture that we just talked about, right? Their, their worship was uh, implored these, these like female prostitutes and all of this, this crazy stuff that would, that would take place out in the open in the temple. He's saying like, that's not who you are. That's not the way that we uh, live our lives. Um, the idea, the word of immorality is this blanket statement that we see in scripture. It's this blanket that, that basically is outside of the, the perfect context in which God gave us this physical intimacy between in a, inside of a covenant marriage between one woman and one man in holy matrimony. Like outside of that one flesh design, everything that's outside of that falls under that category of immorality. And he talks about the things of, of, of action, the things of the mind, the things of thought, the things of attitude. This isn't, um, we don't do these things in order to be holy, which means set apart, in order to be right. He's saying that because we are set apart, because of what Christ has done for us, our behavior flows from that. It's not we do it to earn, but because we are loved, because we are sons and daughters, this is our conduct. Kind of we talked about last week is that we would live our lives in a manner, in a manner worthy of the high calling that God has on us, that, that it would be of equal worth. He's saying these are things that we do not do as, as followers of Jesus, even though the world does it, 
that you guys live in, even though the context, everyone's doing it, it doesn't matter. He's saying, I've designed this to be a beautiful blessing between a husband and a wife to be enjoyed for spiritual, intimate, emotional connection. And outside of that leads to pain and destruction. And so he's saying, don't, 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 don't twist it. Um, but then he goes on as, as if, we, if we read too much into it, we're saying, well, does that mean that he talks about, um, um, about uh, foolish talk or coarse joking? Does that mean that like, we can't ever laugh? Like, no, like it's, it's not, don't read too far into it. That he's saying, hey, we can't, have, we can't have fun. We can't have jokes. We can't laugh about certain things. But he's saying things that, um, that the pagans do, things that, um, that diminish when it comes to um, the intimacy that God created, uh, when it comes to that, anything that, that diminishes it or anything that paints it in a light, not where it's intended. He's like, that's what we don't do. But yeah, we can, we can joke, we can kid, we can have fun. Um, verse five, he goes on to say, for you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater and has, uh, has any inheritance from the kingdom of Christ and God. Um, we know this, that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful to forgive us, that, that the blood of Jesus was an atonement for all of our sin. Um, but he's saying that the difference here is not if you've done that, but it's those that are in unrepentant, habitual sin. The question is, have you actually made Jesus Lord? Because if he is actually Lord, then your, your life changes. But if you've made Jesus Lord and you look just like the pagans and you do the things that the pagans are doing when they worship, there's a problem. And the problem maybe is your understanding of the gospel. Maybe, that, maybe there, there's, a, there's, there's something that's not congruent. And he's saying that we have to be transformed by that. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. The second truth is that we are called to walk in light. We are called to walk in light. Uh, let's keep going with verse eight. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention them. I'm sorry, mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's interesting that Paul puts that in quotations as like a, you guys know where this is from, but theologians are like, actually, we don't know where that's from. Uh, many believe it's actually an early church uh, hymn or a, a, a hymn that was sung at baptism in the early church, but he, he puts it in quotations like, you guys know this one, like sing this, you know, um, which is kind of funny. But um, so we, we're called to walk in light. There's two aspects of this. Is that one is that as followers of Jesus, that we keep our life, our conduct in the light. That we conduct ourselves in a way that is not in darkness, but it is exposed, that is in light. Um, the darkness in secret is where, uh, is where shame grows is where shame and the perceived notion of this is unforgivable, uh, no one understands, um, is where perceived pride of being able to control sin is its loudest. But that's exactly where the enemy wants it. Um, because 
the things that are, are healed, the things that are, are forgiven, to the things that are brought to the light. Um, we, we have to understand that when, when the, we all sin, right? We, we, no one's perfect. If you are, let's talk. Uh, maybe it's a problem with lying. Uh, but we all have, have sin, right? And when there's things in our life that are unrepentant, when there's things in our life that are festering, the, um, what the enemy wants us to do is to keep that in the darkness, where it can grow, where it can flourish, where it can fester, and where it can um, wreak havoc in our life. Think about this in the, in the garden, right? Soon as sin enters the world, what happens? They immediately, the first feeling was shame. They were aware of their nakedness and there was shame. And then they heard God and they hid. I don't know if they were hiding from the hippos. Maybe not. No, they were hiding from God. Right? They were, they, were, they were hiding. So shame entered the picture, and their, their response was to, I'm shameful of what I did. I'm shameful of what's on me, and so I'm going to hide from God. We have to recognize is that that is a tactic and a pattern of the enemy. But God calls them out. He says, who, who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? The, way, the, the, the place that we find freedom and healing is not in the dark. Sin that is left in the dark is never dealt with. But what is brought to the light is exposed and can bring healing. Um, the second aspect is that we even see this in Matthew, which is really cool. Is even uh, in preparing this message, and then I read my uh, daily verse of the day today, it was Matthew 5. Um, this, how that we are called to be light of the world. Um, that that a, as a city on a hill cannot be hidden, therefore that we should let the, the light of Christ shine in us by our good deeds. Now, when we talk about being a light, um, there, there's a couple of, um, I'm, I'm a visual person, so there's a couple of, of, of ways that we see it. There's one is where um, we understand that we have the light of Christ, and so we, we try to illuminate the work of God in us to the world around us. But the, the truth is that a lot of us um, live really dimly lit lives when it comes to This is my kids, I borrowed my kids' super duper uh, Ikea wind-up flashlight. <laughs> Um, and we go to our jobs, we go to our work and, and we, we let our light shine by like everyone's at their, at their, at their cubicle, but I'm going to, I'm going to bless my food before I eat. Whew. Look at that light shine or somebody sneezes, bless you. If I'm super spiritual, God bless you. Right. Or we, 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 we do our little things, but we, we, we live lives very dimly lit. If we've been radically transformed, that we were once dead, but now we are alive in Christ, and this is, this is all we give? We, we look at our conduct, we look at our life, and it's just this, it's this minimal glimmering into a dark world. Now, there's the other, the other mindset, is we think, man, we gotta, if I'm going to shine, I'm going to shine, right? <laughs> Whoo! Apparently, even pointing this in your direction, everyone last service is like, yeah, you blinded me for a little bit. So uh, I won't, I'll do a quick Passover. All right. Um, but our, our thing is like, wait, everywhere we're going to go, like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus, you know? Hey, you're going to hell, but let me, let me talk to you. Oh, sorry, I shined at your eyes. Um, see, everywhere you point, like, there's no safe spot. And so we think if we got to shine, man, I got to shine, you know? I, it doesn't matter how harsh, how ill-received it is, I'm going to shine because that's what I'm called to do. Or even the mindset of like, well, maybe the light's on me. Look at me and all my perfection, you know? Emulate me as I emulate Christ. That is really bright. Wow. Um, or we think that, that our life has to be under this microscope. And so like, see all that I do. See, see my perfection of the work of the gospel in me. That's not really what it's, what it's talking about either. 
He's saying that if we've been radically transformed, the idea is not to be offensive in how we shine, to not be timid and and ashamed of how we shine. This idea, he's saying it's like a a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. The, the, The thing that illuminates in our life, the thing that is a beacon to others is it's illuminating. It's, it's, a, it's a light. You can see this from back there. It doesn't have to be shine into your eyeballs and burn your retinas for you to see it. This isn't, well, I'm just gonna do my own thing and I'm not gonna share what Jesus is doing in me. This is not a passive thing. But more than a quick spurt, more than a laser to someone's eyeball, you know what speaks the loudest? A long continued walk of obedience a long continued walk of faithfulness. Hey, at your work, you show up on time. You don't talk bad about your boss. You give, you pray for your coworker. You let the light of Christ shine in you continually. We don't copy the patterns, the beliefs of this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of every mind. He's saying like, let the light shine doesn't have to blind people. It doesn't have to be this little thing you, you pull out. Like, like, be proud of what God is doing in you and through you and let your light shine to illuminate into the world of darkness that we were once in darkness, but now light has come. And lastly, number three, is that we are called to walk in wisdom. We are called to walk in wisdom. Um, let's keep going for the next uh, few verses. Verse 15, he says, in light of all this, in light of the culture, in light of, in light of what God has done in you, in light of your surroundings, he says this. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, and always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, now, that, the Greek word there for wine is not grape juice. To be honest with you, it's not. Um, the, 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 the thought is uh, that ancient, actually, winemakers, the, the wine was actually a whole lot stronger than we have today, but it was... It was also uh, usually watered down. Um, and so why, why is Paul bringing this up? Uh, why is Paul um, talking about this? Why is Paul bringing correction to this? I think it's because oftentimes we can look at what others do and we say, well, I'm gonna do it too. Now, we know when we read the entirety of, of, of God's word that, like, that having a glass of wine is not a sin. We see that. Uh, but we, we often... Um, if we get to a point in our life that we are hyper-focused on where the line is with anything, of where the line is between what's, what's okay and what's sin, what kind, of, what kind of behavior can I have before marriage versus what's crossing the line? How much can I actually drink? What's crossing the line? If our primary concern is where the line is, we've probably already crossed it. What Paul is saying and, 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 and I'll even go as far as this, is that if, if you, you have to know your context, because you, you, for you and your own convictions, having a glass of wine may be fine at the dinner table, but if you're having that dinner with someone who struggles with addiction, 
you're in the wrong. We shouldn't do something that causes someone else to stumble or someone else to be hindered. And so we have to be aware. We can't use our liberty and our freedom in Christ to, to, to push what we do on, onto other people. And so we have to use liberty. We, we have to, to, to use grace and to not cause anyone else to stumble. And we have to use conviction of the Holy Spirit. Um, so I say that to say, um, and then he talks about the, the combating of that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, that word, the, the Greek grammar for filled has two important aspects of it. One is that it's passive, meaning it's not someone, something that's manufactured. It's not something that you dig deep enough and you are filled more and more with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the second thing is that it's, it's imperative, that it's, um, it's not uh, an optional experience. We know that we are, we are filled to the fullest with the Holy Spirit, but what we don't do is we don't yield to the Holy Spirit. I can say to my kids, hey, don't walk into the street, a bus is coming. And I can say it louder and louder and louder, but at the end of the day, they have to decide what they're going to do. We have the Holy Spirit. And what he's saying is that don't be drunk on wine. Don't, don't be led. Anything that is clouding your vision, anything that is, that is not allowing you to be in complete sobriety is hindering you. You're being led by that and you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then here's what's interesting is you're like, man, this is on a journey. Matt, you talked about um, cocaine lords. <laughs> we, talked about, we talked about sex. We talked about light. We talked about drinking. And now we're talking about worship. Where is this thought going? But he's saying that, that out of this, that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that a, a, a byproduct of this, of walking in wisdom, is worship. Because worship is not an emotional response. Worship is not something that some people do. We all worship. We all worship something or someone. But true worship, what he's saying, is, is out of this idea of revelation. I love, this is one of the greatest definitions of worship. This is from Pastor Louis Giglio. He says, worship is our response, both personal and corporate to God for who he is and what he has done, expressed in and by the things we say and by the way that we live. See, that's it. That's, that's, that's the, the, the crux of it. There's a um, I'll end with this story. There was a, there was a guy in early 2000s, he, um, he did a video for, for somebody on, on explaining Bitcoin, made this YouTube video, and they paid him in Bitcoin. And he's like, I don't know what this stuff is. Put it on this super secure um, cryptic flash drive called an iron key. Uh, and it was like, they were less than a dollar a piece at that point. Um, and so he tries to unlock it. This thing is, is um, secured with a password. And if you guess the password more than 10 times, everything on it gets deleted. So you can see the problem that rises when he loses the password. So when he realized he lost it, it was now up to a value of about $140,000. And right now, um, the worth of the Bitcoin on that jump drive is $235 million. And he has guessed eight times. You can see the predicament. This jump drive is sitting in a, uh, a bank uh, safety deposit box in Switzerland, and he doesn't know how to open it. And so this company came along and said, we want to find out. <laughs> so they, they bought online all of these old um, 
jump drives that are the same make and model and brand, and they sought out to how to crack it, how to, how to solve it. So they like peeled them apart with layers, with lasers. They did all this stuff, and they found a way to have unlimited guesses, and they hooked it to a supercomputer. They tested it out, and one of their trials, they guessed the password of this thing. It took them 200 trillion guesses, and finally they got it. So they approached this guy. He's like, look, here's evidence. We know how to fix this. Like, pay us a fee. We'll unlock it for you. We've done it. And he says, no. He said, no, I'm good. Like, what do you mean you're good? He, he's like, no, I already hired two other companies. They've been working on it for years. They haven't made any progress, but I got faith in them. They're like, we can do it now. Like, this is, this is the key to unlocking this whole thing. It's like, if you just do this thing, it's like, here's your money. He's like, no, I'm good. The key of understanding what worship is in our life is not just an emotional response. It's not based on who's got a guitar on a stage. The key to this is this revelation, is this clear picture of who God is and what he's done for us. Because the, the more we see his faithfulness, the more we remember what he did for us, the more we see him in his grandeur, the more we get a, even a glimpse of it, the natural response for us is worship. And it's not just for you. It's not just unto God, but he's saying, like, do it together. We sing songs to one another that, that when we come together as a church and we worship, is that that is faith building for one another. We're designed to be in community. We're not designed to be isolated. So it's both personal and it's corporate because of what he's done, because of who he is. So we walk with wisdom. Wisdom says, hey, look at what God's done for you. And as a response, our, our life is, is filled with worship, not just in what we sing. This is also worship, how you live your day, how you wake up and show up to your job, to your home, to your schools tomorrow morning is gonna be an act of worship, depending upon what you do with it. He's saying, this, this, is, this is what it is. This is how we worship. And remember this. When we get to heaven, the natural response is going to be worship. On this side of eternity, we have the choice to worship. And sometimes worship is a sacrifice. Because you're like, it's great. Everyone else can sing about God's faithfulness. But what about right now where I'm at? What about right now where I'm experiencing And sometimes it's done in faith. Sometimes it's done in response. But all in all, as we grow in wisdom, as we grow in maturity, as we remember what he's done for us, that we were once in darkness, but now the light of Christ shines in us. Okay, God, I'm gonna believe you at your word. I'm gonna believe that you are who you say you are. And I'm gonna have faith that even in the midst of my mess, that you can turn it around for my good and your glory. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for today, God. We thank you that as we get to gather together as a church body, as we get to lift up our voices, we get to live our lives, may they be full of worship, sharing of your faithfulness in our lives, declaring your goodness throughout our story, even, even though we don't deserve it. God, that we would be a people who walk in love, that we live lives walking in the light, 
and that we learn to walk in wisdom, focusing our attention on not what we see, but God, on who you are. And then in in response that our, our lives would be reverent, our lives would be worshipful. They would be celebratory because it's not based on circumstances, Lord. And so Father, I pray for every person here today. I pray that we would all carry this message throughout our week and you would receive all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, we love you. As always, our prayer team is down front. We'd love to pray with you. Hope you have an awesome week, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.